This is District Sentinel Radio, the newscast of record for the left. I am Sam Sachs. I am Sam Knight. We are recording separately from Washington, D.C. Check out the website, districtsentinel.com. Sam, I've uh, got some some life choices to make. Which ones are those? I got a mask in the mail. Girlfriend got us masks. And, uh, well, I don't know if I'm ready to become a mask guy. I don't know if, uh, if I I have the self-confidence to go out in public as a mask guy, even though it's, it's necessary during these times. You know, you know, you're a mask guy. If you're asking people to, uh, if you're asking somebody to stop you. (laughs) Smoking. (laughs) Took me a second to uh, to get that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. What do you think? You think times call for uh, wearing a mask outside now nowadays? Yeah, I I actually do. I mean, the government is asking us to now. Is it a CDC guideline at this point? They're they're asking us to yet not providing them, and uh, there there is a woeful shortage of masks right now. Uh, I I would want to wear a mask. If there was one readily available, I was listening to C-SPAN radio this morning and there was a a health expert on the line calling in to their Washington Journal program. And he was saying that under normal circumstances, nurses, uh, they wear one mask per patient and now they're being asked to wear one mask per week. Jeez. So... Well, now I feel I, bad for having a mask. I feel like they should have the mask rather than that one trip I make to the grocery store. Well, it's not your fault that the country is very poorly equipped for this. And That's not true. only very poorly equipped, but also not really trying to equip itself. I mean, the president just refuses to invoke the Defense Production Act, it seems, even though... There's just this glaring shortage of all this shit that we need, and uh, but no, you should you can wear a mask. That's fine. You should wear a mask. Just be careful. You know, don't don't break the little plastic band. Uh, reuse it a bunch. This is like a cotton one. I think it's like a washable one. It's in your uh, possession now, so yes. a, a nurse could not use that mask. If they wanted to. Hey, uh, nice job going viral on the Sentinel account. Oh, God. I, you know, I saw that uh, that it was retweeted by Jordan Yule, bless him, and then one of the March for Life teens, and I immediately muted it. <laughs> I was like, I don't, I don't want to see this. And then I look at it, and it's got like 126,000 likes or something. Yeah. And... Yeah. The DMs were just filled with angry people who want to lick the boots of the rich. I, I guess I should step back and explain this. It was a tweet about how Mark Zuckerberg and Bill Gates had decided to give $25 million uh, to coronavirus relief efforts. I pointed out that it's basically the equivalent of someone with uh, $30,000 giving $5. And it was just sort of a tweet that I fired off whatever thinking that it'll go into the void and even if people see it no one's going to really harangue me over the specifics uh turns out that wasn't the case 
and I admit that the analogy was a little clumsy because uh, the equivalent to uh, the equivalent to Gates and Zuckerberg is someone with a net worth of thirty thousand dollars giving five dollars. And some people wanted to nitpick at that, be like, "Oh, you don't understand the difference between net worth and annual income." And the point of this is, why are you licking the boots of an oligarch? Yeah. <laughs> why are you fucking lick the, licking the boots of an oligarch? And I see other people saying like, oh, you know, these people wouldn't be happy if, if they gave $250 million. The point is they don't deserve their money. It's not their money. It's wealth from everyone else they've plundered through monopoly rents, through fucking passive unearned income. Yeah, it's like walking down the street and saying, here's five bucks, now go fuck off. Yeah. Anyways, uh, was that our most interacted with tweet on the Sentinel account? I believe so. I be- it, it, wow. it Probably, it had to be. Hopefully. I don't think I've ever seen a tweet that I've done get into the triple digits. And let me tell you, they, everything they say about Twitter is true, is that we're all trying to go viral, and then when you go viral, it sucks. <laughs> Definitely true. Hopefully the mods weren't listening to that conversation uh, and know what you're doing on Twitter, Sam. All right. Yeah, that's right. It it wasn't me. It was my secretary. (laughs) That's right. It was one of our uh, garbage can interns. It's Monday, March 30th, 2019. Here's the news. The coronavirus stimulus bill was signed into law on Friday evening by the president. Worst possible time for us in our weekly work cycle. The legislation had passed the House in a voice vote earlier in the day. That means the biggest stimulus in U.S. history made it from the Senate to law in about a week. When Trump signed the bill into law, he handed out pens to everyone in the room, showing he still doesn't seem to grasp what's going on with the pandemic and why people are social distancing and avoiding contact with each other. Either way, the president seems to grasp the enormity of the economic situation, noting the legislation passed on Friday is worth $2.2 trillion and that the price tag could go up to more than $6 trillion. There's uncertainty because $454 billion is going to the Department of Treasury to help capitalize up to $4 trillion in lines of credit from the Federal Reserve for business loans. The Fed will be buying corporate debt for the first time in history, having rejected the idea during the 2008 financial crisis. Also included in stimulus top-line items are $150 billion in grants to local governments, $350 billion in loans through the Small Business Association, $300 billion in cash assistance through the one-time $1,200 check, which really should be a lot more and monthly, plus $250 billion in extended unemployment benefits, $100 billion to healthcare providers, and more. As noted, the bill passed at a bad time for our work week, so we didn't have time to digest the final version on the air until today. Here are some interesting specifics gathered from a quick read of the long, complex legislation. First, the good or at least the acceptable. Some extended unemployment benefits will last until December 31st. The federal government is also offering $600 per week in emergency benefits that last for 13 weeks. Bernie fought senators on the floor over this and won last Thursday, as many people noted on social media. It's an additional $2,400 a month for folks that could literally mean the difference between life and death for many people. 
also positive in the legislation. Self-employed workers and independent contractors should be eligible for emergency benefits, meaning folks who have jobs in the gig economy through Lyft or Uber. States are also being asked to drop requirements that benefit recipients look for jobs, I mean, which would really truly be ridiculous and very fucked up if uh, people were supposed to look for jobs right now to gain their benefits at a time when we're being asked to keep away from people. Student loan payments and interest accumulation on student loans is postponed until September 30th, 2020. And also, another positive note, there will be a 120-day eviction moratorium for landlords with federally-backed mortgage loans. So more bright spots, though it's unclear how enforceable these are. Also, some of the other things I just mentioned, I guess we'll just have to see how it all plays out in real time in a fucking plague world. Anyway, companies that receive loans from the Fed are barred from outsourcing or offshoring jobs for, for the term of the loan plus two years. And companies that get emergency credit from the Fed are supposed to, quote, remain neutral in any union organizing effort for the term of the loan. Again, it's unclear how enforceable this is. It's hard to enforce any employment law when employment is at will and people can be fired for anything without any reason. Plus, the National Labor Relations Board has shut down union elections until April 3rd, and who knows how long that will be extended. That ban on union elections, by the way, also includes elections by mail ballot, which, uh, I don't know, sounds a bit sketch to me. In other positive news, the bailout for airlines isn't as bad as previously expected. Passenger air carriers are getting $25 billion in loans and loan guarantees, Cargo air carriers are getting $4 billion. They had asked for twice the amount. Instead, the remainder of the money, the same amount as the loans, will go to keep workers on these companies' payroll. Now on to the bad news. There's $17 billion in bailout loans for, quote, businesses critical to maintaining national security. The Washington Post reported that was written to go directly to Boeing the awful war profiteers slash shitheads who killed people with the 737 MAX crash, they're too big to fail. There are secretive regulatory procedures in the law. The Small Business Administration is tasked with making rules under the law and may do so without following standard public notice practices. There's a loophole in the rule stopping bailed-out companies from buying back their own stock or paying dividends to shareholders. Supposed to be a ban for 12 months, but they can do these things if the Treasury Secretary decides, quote, such a waiver is necessary to protect the interests of the federal government. <laughs> I'm sure that a very narrow exemption will only be used very scrupulously by Steve Mnuchin. Steve Mnuchin is going to set up a robo-signing mill to just sign off on all of those. <laughs> Also, bailed-out companies are only prohibited from laying off more than 10% of their workforce until the end of September. They can go blue-slip crazy on October 1st. Also, though our medical supply chain is a mess, measures to address the issue are minimal. The Department of Health and Human Services is being tasked with writing a report on the issue in 60 days, while the law only provides $1 billion for acquisitions under the Defense Production Act. As ProPublica noted on DPA money, there is currently $228 million in a fund created under the law, which is enough for about 9,000 ventilators. New York State alone said it needed 30,000 ventilators last week. So if you do the math, 
that's pretty much all of the money uh, allocated under the DPA in the stimulus bill. It could all be spent by New York State just to get ventilators, and we'd still have the rest of the country and a whole lot of other problems uh, to deal with. Like, we all need masks because Sam Sachs is hogging them all. Also, there's a dark side to the financial assistance for workers at private air cargo companies. They're getting $4 billion in loans and $4 billion in financial assistance to workers to keep them on the payroll, as I previously noted. Well, the Postal Service also does cargo delivery, and they're not really getting shit. While they're getting shit, they're just expected to cope entirely on debt. The law says the USPS, quote, may borrow money from the Treasury in an amount not to exceed $10 billion. Meanwhile, we're getting stories of letter carriers and mail handlers not getting the protection they need, straining more than ever because of chronic understaffing at the USPS. Meanwhile, people are demanding more and more of postal workers through mail order deliveries. As an added slap in the face, letter carriers are on the front lines in more ways than one. They're often the only people who check up on the housebound immunocompromised folks every day. We're totally throwing them under the bus. Why not give USPS billions in grants to hire more employees? I don't know, but we're bailing out the private air cargo companies. We're uh, just giving them billions for their workers, which is good. Again, we, it's good to be helping workers at a time like this, but it would be nicer uh, to be helping USPS workers too. One last thing here, the executive pay restrictions for bailed out companies are a joke. Employees who made over $425,000 last year are fine making that amount this year. They just can't get a raise. And employees at bailed out companies can still receive up to $3 million in salary and 50% of any salary over $3 million. And this is calculated on calendar year 2019, uh, which as I said in a previous show, was a bumper year for executive pay based on reckless uh, financial industry behavior and the after effect of stock buybacks and all that shit, all that good bubble into the business cycle bullshit uh, that was all very fleeting as we are currently seeing now. Whatever, it's determining <laughs> hugely subsidized executive pay. Anyway, like we have been saying, corporate oligarchs will likely emerge stronger than ever from this, just as they did from the bank bailouts. Since Congress isn't stepping up to fully address the needs of workers during this crisis, workers are being forced to do it themselves. On Monday, employees at Amazon and the grocery delivery app Instacart walked off their jobs, demanding better working conditions and benefits as they are forced to stay on the job during a pandemic. While several service industry workers have been laid off, the Demand for Amazon home delivery goods and grocery store deliveries are surging with companies putting out calls to hire more people, but these companies haven't yet taken precautions to care for their current workforces. Both companies do not offer paid sick leave to workers unless they've tested positive for COVID-19 or are ordered to self-quarantine. That's not very helpful since asymptomatic people can still spread the virus and since sick people can't access testing in this country so they can't get the proper documentation to afford to miss work. So employees are asking for Amazon and Instacart to now offer sick leave for all workers. Amazon workers also wanted their warehouses closed for longer to allow for a necessary deep cleaning. COVID-19 cases have been confirmed at 11 different Amazon warehouses across the country. 
Amazon has resisted calls to close these facilities for prolonged periods of time. Instacart workers want the company to send delivery drivers, disinfectant wipes, and other cleaning supplies to protect themselves from exposure. They also want hazard pay of an extra $5 an hour. Talking to a local news outlet in New York, Stuart Applebaum, president of the Retail, Wholesale, and Department Store Union, blasted Amazon's behavior, quote, All employers need to prioritize the health and safety of their workforce at this time. Unfortunately, Amazon appears to be prioritizing maximizing its enormous profits over its employees' safety, and that is unacceptable. Tomorrow, workers at Amazon's subsidiary Whole Foods are planning a nationwide sick-out, demanding better working conditions, paid sick leave for all workers, and hazard pay of double their hourly wage. Considering that grocery store workers have been deemed essential services during this pandemic, I'd say they're more than justified in their demands. In response to bosses failing to protect their workers during this pandemic, we've seen an uptick in labor actions. Workers walking off the job, like sanitation workers in Pittsburgh last week, auto workers in Michigan, dock workers in Maine, poultry workers in Georgia, just to name a few. It's all got me thinking. General strike. Say it again with me. General strike. You know, uh, uh, a few months ago, I tweeted out something like, Maybe instead of a general strike, how about we all just stay at home and chill and play video games or something like something where we're withholding our labor, but maybe we're not out on the street marching or whatever. Maybe it could be easier to get people to take part in that. And at the time, someone replied accusing me of having podcast brain. But who has podcast brain now? I mean, look Look what everyone staying home is doing to the economy. It's not the worst idea doing a general strike, but a general, you know, a general strike, but also a general, you know, maybe we should just play video games and chill. Yeah, it sounds like you had a great idea at the time and that you do have podcaster's brain, which means a very huge, very intellectual brain. Thank you. Finally today. The pandemic is taking its toll on government transparency efforts. A new Congressional Research Service report took uh, an account of how various federal agencies are still handling Freedom of Information Act requests, and it's a mixture of delay warnings and confusing guidance. This report was first flagged by Stephen Aftergood at the Federation of American Scientists. Now, a lot of this is understandable as most agencies have taken precautions to avoid their employees from coming into work. Most people are teleworking right now, which is likely to cause procedural changes and delays. The research service did note one strange procedure, though, coming out of the FBI regarding FOIA. More than a dozen agencies have put forward their revised FOIA guidelines, like the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the FDA, the Department of Labor, the Nuclear Regulatory, the Nuclear Regulatory Agency, the U.S. Postal Service, telling submitters that due to social distancing and measures to protect their employees, they're only responding to electronic FOIA submissions. They're temporarily unable to respond to the mailed-in requests. Yet, at the Department of Justice and the FBI, it's the exact opposite. The Department of Justice shut down its online portal back in January. And reading the FBI's FOIA guidance, it says, quote, Due to the emerging COVID-19 situation, the FBI is not accepting electronic Freedom of Information Privacy Act requests or sending out electronic responses through the FOIA portal at this time. You may still submit a request via standard mail. What? Well, for an agency with a long history of resisting transparency efforts, 
Perhaps the confusion is the point. Worth mentioning that federal agencies are still claiming to respond to expedited requests when the matter is related to an imminent loss of rights or life or a matter of widespread or exceptional media interest, which would seem to include FOIA requests of all sorts related to the COVID-19 pandemic. That is the end of the newscast today, and that music means it's time to read some poetry for our new subscribers over at patreon.com slash district sentinel five bucks a month you get access to all the bonus content we put out including the friday garbage can show and you get your own haiku written for you and read on the air i'll go first this is for keister reached quarantine stage shaving funny facial hair scared of what comes next thank you keister this is for tommy braving the public, seeing the doctor to ask, can I still smoke weed? Thank you, Tommy. This is for Traveler's Depot. U.S. pandemic response makes good case for a planned economy. Thank you, Traveler's Depot. Finally, this is for Justin. Defense production, Baron asks dad to use it to get PS6. Thank you, Justin, and thanks to all the new subscribers. Again, that's patreon.com slash district sentinel. All right, before we go, the listener rant line was blowing up this weekend. I think you put out a call for uh, calls on the Twitter account, Sam Knight. So uh, let's get to some of these messages. Hey, Sam. Hey, Sam. Dad, respect you here. Uh, pretty drunk, but just wanted to give you a little uh, update from New York City, number one city in the world, Brooklyn, New York. Go Yanks, go Mets, go Rangers, go Islanders, go Nets, go Giants, go fucking Jets. One city in the world, baby. Anyway, grocery stores here have no meat. Uh, there's no soup in the fucking uh, grocery stores. And Kraft macaroni and cheese, which I've been surviving off for about 17 days, is a hot commodity. Uh, anyways... Even more enraging is the fuel pod situation. Uh, bodegas are charging about $30, $40 for my daily fix of nicotine, which is bullshit. So what I say to that is uh, communism now, gulags to the rich, and uh, jail the jewel pod profiteers. Thanks, boys. Jail the jewel pod profiteers. Sounds like the uh, New Yorkers aren't so proud of their bodegas right now. <laughs> Jesus. Don't kick them while they're down. Do you remember, like, uh, I guess it was, like, five years ago, there were all these articles, all these blog posts about why I'm leaving New York? The version of that now is just the disease. Yeah. <laughs> Except they uh, should not be leaving. No, right not now. right now. Absolutely not. But, I, yeah, I, I feel I feel bad for New Yorkers. It, it does not seem like a great place to be at the moment. So stay safe, everyone. And uh, hopefully you will find an honest jewel pod salesman. Hey, Sam. It's been a while. It's uh, Greg and Duluth just uh, smoking some weed out of an empty beer can I found in my car uh, in my parking garage at work because apparently IT sales employees are essential. Uh, Just doing whatever I can to fuck off now. Stay strong and uh, love the show. Take it easy.
Hey, uh, thanks for the call and uh, solidarity with everybody who uh, has been forced to come into work during all this. Yeah, huge amounts of solidarity. I cannot offer enough solidarity. And if you are forced to come into work, chances are your boss is not forced to come into work. So smoke some weed in your car. Smoke some weed in the parking lot. You know, I, I smoke weed wherever. I don't think a cop is going to stop you at this point. No. Hello, Sam and Sam. This is Sammy calling. I just want to say I really wish that Donald Trump would not give up my grandparents for Lent. Couldn't he pick something else instead, like red meat? So it, yeah, grim, grim. Uh, grim this, but true. Yeah, yeah. The administration does look hell-bent on sacrificing the old, although Trump uh, did back off his, I guess, yearning to open up the economy by Easter. He's pushed the social distancing guidelines to the end of April, so that's good news. Samuel. Samuel, this is Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. There has been much ado about the stimulus bill we just passed, but what has not been covered extensively is the relief that is being provided for the preservation of the naturals. The mainstream media would like to let you know that this is a corporate bailout. But the main goal and focus of my bill is the preservation of big naturals. Thank you, Sam and Sam. How come you didn't mention that in the rundown, Sam? You know, I, I, I it slipped my attention, I guess. Thanks to uh, the Senate Majority Leader for keeping us honest there. Call the rant line, 202 684 Zero eight. Leave a message while you're self-quarantined. We will play it on air. That is the show. Thank you for listening. We'll be back with a brand new newscast on Tuesday. We're here in D.C., so you don't have to be.